Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills podcast. Dag Heward Mills is a healing evangelist, a best-selling author, and a mega church pastor. He's the founder of the United Denominations, originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, overseeing over 3,000 churches across every continent of the world. He pastors the First Love Church, a vibrant church in the city of Accra, transforming the lives of thousands of young people for the Lord. Now listen to Dag Heward Mills. Next thing is, your life must therefore be a life of working for God. Working for eternity. So what is your life? A life working for eternity. Preparing. Preparing for eternity. Amen. Amen. Preparing for eternity. Preparing for eternity. So we are moving on to the next chapter of our book we are writing at the camp, which is Your Life is Short is the first one, Short Life, Long Eternity, and chapter two, Preparing for Eternity. I'm preparing for eternity. Are you preparing for eternity? What are we doing to prepare for eternity? Amen. Amen. Now, how do we prepare for eternity? How do we prepare for eternity? What are we going to take out of this place into eternity? You get it? When you die, what will you take out of this place into eternity? Turn with me to Timothy. It says, verse 4, chapter 6 of 1 Timothy and verse 4. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men, and corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. Verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. Verse 7. For we brought nothing to this world and it is certain. It is what? Certain. Very certain that we can carry nothing out. <laughs> Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Pastor Payne, are you there? Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Pastor Sejama, you came in this world with I've been I've been in the labor ward or wherever it was, where all my children were born and other people's children have been there. One of the things is that they came just bare. No child of all the different children I've seen being born. K. 
came with any, even clothes. Nothing was brought into the world when they arrived. Huh? Not even Bill Gates came with anything. Nothing. Now, your departure is the same as your coming. Free and naked. Have you been to the mortuary? How many have been to the a mortuary a morgue before? You've seen the, the bodies lying there before. How many have seen that? Not outside. You went inside. Raise up your hand. Let me see. Raise up your hand. Okay, you are doctors. If you are not a, if you are if you are a doctor, put down your hand. But if you are not a doctor and you've been to a mortuary and you are nurses, put down your hand. Anybody else? George, what did you go and do there? What did you see at the mortuary? Ah, when you lost your mother. Okay. What about you? Your father-in-law used to be a, 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 a mortuary man. Okay. Raise up your hand. Why did you go there? Your grandmother died. So you went there. You went in. You saw dead bodies lying there. How did you feel? You felt sad. What about you? You three to three mugs. Why? One was your dad and two were, two were your friends. Which friends were these? Workmates in America. Why did they die? Brain tumors. Wow. How did you feel? Did you see other dead people there? A lot of others? They're on shelves. The tags on their toes. Wow. Oh. You are lucky that yours were on, on, on nice shelves. <laughs> so, your friends, or were they ladies? One male, one female. You went to a mortuary in Sunyani, and what was it like? Was it also a brain tumor? And that was your dad. And how was the place like? Who else has been? And so the one you went where they were on shelves, they had tags on their toes. Were they wearing clothes? No, no, it's like a, your bad tag. Just a tag. Have you been? What did you go and see there? Your younger brother. Were you surprised? Was he wearing clothes? Why were you surprised? They're surprised at the reality of life. Anybody here? Yes. You've been. Who was there? Your auntie. Were you surprised? You were sad. They were just looking around. Some on the table, some on the floor. Have you been to a mortuary before? What did you see? What was the surprise that you saw there? You had seen him in the clinic two weeks ago. Wow. A nice looking lady. What, what do you mean by a nice looking lady? I mean, you could tell that she was from the middle class. She was from the middle class. She'd visited New York before, isn't it? And what, what did you notice about her? 
Manicure. What is manicure and pedicure? She had done her nails. Had she painted what color? Red. You remember the color? Lying on top of her. The lady with the uh, the manicured, what do you call it? What has she done to her hair? How was her hair? Um, I don't remember that part. Okay. I, I don't remember about her hair. But she was lying on the table and on that same table was a very dirty looking man. Probably um, a gutter man. Maybe a gutter man or something. He had, I think he had died of some sort of infective disease. So he had um, vomited on himself or something. And his feet were lying on this lady's face. <laughs> his feet were lying on her face like yes. this? Yes, so it was like they were lying opposite direction. So his feet were ah, on okay. her face. Ah, okay, so her head was here and, uh, yes. and this other lady's head was here. Yes. And, I mean, all the yucky things were spilling onto the nice lady's onto body. Onto the nice lady. Yeah. It was how old, how old do you think this lady was? She was probably 40, 45. Yeah. Yeah. You know, brothers and sisters, I don't want to frighten you at this company, but I want you to know that because our life is so short, we need to prepare for eternity. And we need to understand this truth that we came into this world with nothing, nothing at all. And we will go with nothing for all our work. Somebody said, I'm working for my children. No, don't deceive yourself. In as much as your children are helped by uh, inheritance, most of us are not where we are in our lives because of inheritance. What did you inherit to bring you here? And in fact, even many people who have inheritance are not wise and are not able to convert it. My father died some years ago. We've had inheritance. We still not really benefited. The things are there. They are still there. They are valuable. But we haven't really benefited from it in that sense. Because they are just, they are just there. So, the reality, and you say you are, you are working for your children. Even for yourself, you've not been able to work for yourself, to survive and to do well. And even be happy yourself, to be happy yourself in this life, and has not been able to work out. God is trying to bring us to a point where we can see. I, I don't know whether you can see, but it's real. It's very, very, very real. That this world, our life here, is short. We came with nothing. We will go just bare. We've buried, I buried my father. We buried pastors. We buried Big F. Last year I was here. I sat, I started, he came to talk with me. We're talking about 
other things. He's, he's not here now. And I remember when I came to the, when I got the funeral, I told them when I got there, I said, remove the cover of the, they are covered and continue, continue with the service. When I come, they should remove it for me to also have a look. You know, I just look and I say, wow. Nothing. You are just going as you came. With nothing, as, as nothing. If, I, if you were something, they wouldn't leave you in that dark cemetery in some forest somewhere. If you were valuable. You put your valuable things out in the open somewhere. Your wife died. Your wife died. You wouldn't leave her out there if it was so valuable. No. Oh man. So the thing is like we don't have to see death before we believe. That's why we preach. You don't have to experience bad things to make you come to that realization. You don't have to see evil before you sit up. God is looking for people who believe. And believe. And because they believe, they order their lives differently. They change their orientation, their focus, their emphasis. And, and that is what we must get to the point where we are now working by faith in the things we are hearing. And you must believe. And you know what I've come to see? You need to have wisdom to be able to understand what life is. If you take Solomon, for example. You see, Solomon had everything you can ever have. He said, I, I searched for everything I did. I allowed my heart to follow anything that my heart would want. I, I built houses. I planted gardens. I got me musicians. I made fountains. I had servants. I had gold. Everything was gold. He wouldn't drink out of silver. He would only drink out of golden cups. One day in his house, they would slaughter thousands of bullocks and, and rams and sheep. To eat his house, his family. When you read about the way he, he did, and anybody he saw, he married. Anybody he liked, he married. You see, what he did was that he, he, he decided that he, he, he said, I wanted to search out and to know wisdom and to know foolishness and to know what is in life. And said, so I, I, therefore, I gave myself to know. I, I allowed myself to discover what has not been discovered. And, and, and as a man, everything that was attractive to him, he married. He got involved with it. He never restrained himself. From the queen of Sheba to uh, 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 the, the daughters of Egypt and all the daughters of foreign kings. He married them to make peace with them. That's a strategy of wisdom. Any kind of woman that he saw, if he's had a, let me experiment, let me discover. He did it. With terms of money, he built what has not been built before. He had what had not been, he would only drink out of gold, like, you see, like your ring that is made out of gold. He would drink the cup, the whole cup is gold. Oh, man. His chairs, his, his building, the most expensive. So it's like everything that human beings desire to have and to experience. He did it. 
and had it. And at the end of it all, he came to his conclusions of everything that he had allowed himself to search after. And that conclusion, right, that he came to is a conclusion for us because we don't have our lives to use as an experiment to discover that those things which people have given themselves to discover are not worth those discoveries. He came to the conclusion and he said, vanity of vanities. All is useless. The conclusion of the matter is that a man should fear God (laughs) and keep his commandments. That is the whole duty of man on the earth. That's his conclusion. After allowing himself, he allowed himself that what is there that have not been done before, let me try and do it. But you see, you don't have to wait till you are 60 to have that revelation. You don't have to wait till you are 50 before you come to that revelation and say, you know, I've been working for 50 years. And when you see a young man say, you know, you know what? <laughs> I've been in your shoes before. Many years ago, I came to the land and I thought this and I thought that and I thought that and I decided to do this and to do that and to do that. After doing all those things, I've come to one conclusion that it's useless. You don't have to wait till that. You can benefit from higher... That is the difference between fools and wise men. A wise man can read it, can hear it and will take it and listen. A fool will say it is not true. In my case, it's different. In my case, it's different. Therefore, I'm going to go this way, I'm going to go that way. Because in my life, I put two and two together. I'm making various calculations. I'm going this way and this is how it is. Don't use your life as an experiment. Yeah. Hear and believe. Hear and be healed. Hear and fashion your life according to the wisdom of God. According to the wisdom that God gives us and is giving us at this time. As young people, we can know what is right, what is important, what is the priority that God has. For our lives is to prepare for that long eternity that lies ahead of us. Paul said, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. His mind was on eternity. If his mind was not on eternity, he would never, never have done the things that he did. My life is, 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 is. Is based on eternity. I thank God that he has... You know, one of the things I thank God is that he has allowed me to experience some things. Maybe he has allowed me to experience some things um, early. I, I, don't, I don't have to experience them. I mean, it's, that's God's mercy. So that, that's why I'm preaching. But you must try to believe. I'm not preaching... To get money. To be rich. To travel. Look, people invite me and I, I tend. Sometimes you don't, you don't even have an idea. Sometimes of, of what benefits or what I would even get were I to go on certain journeys. And I say, you know, the Lord bless you. I, 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 I can't come. Not I, 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 don't, I don't want to come. I don't feel like coming. No, I'm not coming there for money. If it was money, I know the amount of money that I'll get if I'm there are some places when I go, you know, if I was to go, I'll be really blessed in terms of an No. God has blessed me to see certain things 
before. I've sat in all places as a little child. As a child, I've lived in hotels. You see, my father, before he died, he lived in a hotel in London for more than six months. My father, my father, my father was not a poor person. He could live. I mean, when I say live, I mean he was there. He was living in London. He was living in a hotel, in a five-star hotel. <laughs> oh, yeah. The things that my father was involved with is not a, a, what do you call it? No. He was just there. He was there for months. After he was arrested by the government and then they released him, he came, he was depressed. He came abroad and just came to be happy here. Wherever in London. Oh, yeah. I've sat in first class of Swiss Air as a child. Like that. I'll be there. And only me and the Chief Justice of Ghana, the two of us in the first class compartment, and we are moving. <laughs> I've, I've come to see that all these things are nothing. I thank God that He gave me that mercy to know that all these things are nothing. And therefore, my life, I mean, apart from the word, Apart from the word, I have, I have also seen that it's nothing. And the word also makes me understand and see the uselessness of a whole lot of things. And that really, there's one thing to do is to prepare for eternity. Well, that, that, that's how come I'm doing what I'm doing. That's how come I'm doing what I'm doing. <laughs> I've, I've come to see that all these things are nothing. I thank God that He gave me that mercy to know that all these things are nothing. And therefore, my life, I mean, apart from the Word, apart from the Word, I have, I have also seen that it's nothing. And the Word also makes me understand and see the uselessness of a whole lot of things. And that really, there's one thing to do is to prepare for eternity. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's how come I'm doing what I'm doing. That's how come I'm doing what I'm doing. My classmates, my medical classmates are, there's Dr. Nosh. Please, were you not my classmate? If you are my classmate, raise up your hand. <laughs> He'll tell you the truth. He'll tell you the truth. <laughs> This is my wife's little brother sitting right here. Wall Street's a lawyer. My wife is also a lawyer. My wife is also a lawyer. I could also let my wife become a, a Wall Street lawyer. If I really wanted to. So that she would also earn $200,000 a month. A year. Or $250,000 a year. Oh yeah. But I don't want that. I want my wife to be in the ministry full time. And she's full time. I, I, I don't want you to work for anybody. Anything. Just work for God. I want, I want my, my children to be ministers. There are a whole lot of pastors who don't want their children to be ministers. They want their children to be other things. They say, this ministry, what I have seen here, these people, <laughs> church, church members, how people talk, why should I let my child go? But I, I, I know the best thing for my child is to know God and to live for God. The people that I love, I will lead them and encourage them to live their life for God. 
Oh, that is my whole purpose in this life is to encourage people to live for God and to work for Him. That is what I do. I was talking to my, my young missionary men. These people have come from school. So the younger people, they have more faith. You know, I was teaching, I don't know if you were there on Sunday evening, I was preaching that the younger people have more faith and hope and love. Because their hearts have not been broken by the experiences of life. So their hearts are still contained love, but they have not experienced Santribu and Shabbat. <laughs> so they have more faith and more hope. So I like talking with them. And as I go somewhere, I just call them, come and sit down and let's talk. They have, they'll, they'll be talking about the ministry, about God, about doing His work. And they are full of zeal. They are prepared to die. They are prepared for anything. It's great. And I, as, I, as I'm sending them to countries, after they finish their, their schooling, their education, their university life, I say, okay, now you go here. I know that my own children whom I brought for, whom I love, I, as they are going, I'm even jealous of them. Oh yeah, I feel the greatest blessing. You, you, if as a young man, you give your life to God. Whatever may come, let it come. I promise them only one thing, poverty and lack of all things. Only God, I promise you. Oh yeah. Now, if you are come to a ministry full-time or whatever, you are, you are not being promised. Because, see, that is a deception. If you think that you are coming to earn money, or you are coming to be rich, you are deceiving yourself. If it happens that you are, you are blessed or you have any, praise God, it's an extra blessing. But that is not the purpose at all. Ministry is sacrifice and it is uh, whatever bad thing you are thinking. That is it. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> But as they go, I realize that my own children whom I brought forth into this world, that is what I would want them to be. I would love them to be. Oh, as I pray. And that, that's why, you know, when my children were going to school, they had a choice between one, it was a Catholic school, and then another school, which is a Christian uh, school. That is another school. I mean, the, 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 the owner of the school is um, a believer. You know, and... I, I, I thought myself, I said, well, this is a better school. But you see, I was talking to somebody, a person was telling me, she lets the children go to French school. I said, really? So what language do they speak? Oh, they speak French. I said, why? She said, so that they speak other languages. So they speak two languages. They speak French in school. They speak English. They go to school in French. They have a system. They have more opportunities. So really? Then there was other schools, oh, Montessori special schools. It's oh, really? How much do you pay? $500, what do you call it, $1,000? I said, really? Another school, American school, the Lincoln school, is $7,000. I said, oh, really? I just sent my children to down the road here. <laughs> Where they can be Christians. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I know what I want my children to be. And I've got a very good pastor, Pastor Ko. He's training the children. My children, my children play the piano in church. They play drums. They sing. They lead worship. They even preach. Last two Sundays ago, I asked Joshua. He came up. I was on stage. He came up. I said, "Hi, Joshua. How are you?" I said, "Fine." I said, "How was church? It was good." I said, "What did they preach about?" I said, "Oh, David preached. David, my little servant." I said, "Really? What did he preach about?" I said, "He preached about someone." I said, "Really?" I prefer that. I prefer that than that my children are speaking Spanish. 
or French or Arabic or any of those. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. And I, I wish my children would also speak French or whatever language. But I think I would love my children to first have God and be trained in the things of God. I'll pay the price for that first. And if I could have my children to, to go to uh, French school or Spanish school or Swiss school or whatever school, fine. I also know what is a nice thing. I also know that these things are good. But what is it? If I were to take my children to an environment where they'll grow up to be drug addicts, I'll prefer that I'll prefer that I'm not there. It's better. I don't like it. As Reverend Zakim says, nasty, ugly. I don't like it at all. <laughs> I don't like it at all. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Because it's a short life. And it's a very long eternity. And whether you know it or not, it's really, really, really short. Before you can say Jack Robinson, you'll be out of here. Oh, yeah. You see us meeting like this, having camp meetings and so on. At the time we come, you see that you are older. Far older than you are now. I remember years ago when I went to school, medical school, it was the first year. And we went to the anatomy lab. Uh, for lecture. First time we went there, you know where we study how to dissect dead bodies. First time we went there for a lecture. And I, I looked around and uh, as the guy was giving the notes, you know, a book like this, you know, as the guy was writing the notes, ah, he was lecturing and I was just writing. Just one lecture and it was full. And I was going. It's writing. I turned to Professor Caro, are we? Is it the right thing that is happening? And the feeling, the book was getting full. As I was like, just one hour lecture. So many notes. The book was almost full. With one hour. When a guy left, I said, I turned to the person who was sitting there. I said, Carol, are we in the right place? <laughs> because it's, it's, the year is 1982, and we are supposed to finish in 1989, seven years' time. I said to her, can we survive? She said, we cannot survive. <laughs> I mean, I look at the year, says 1982, and we are going all the way to 1989. When will we finish? And this is just one hour of it, and the book is almost full. With so many names and words of things that I don't know about. And I'm supposed to learn. That's just one hour, and the year is far. First lecture. And I said, I don't think, and she said, yeah, I also don't think I can stay here. I don't think that I came to the right school. I've, you know, go to another school. <laughs> but she stayed, and I also stayed. And 1989 came, and it's gone. It's now 12 years. 12 years ago that I became a doctor. I finished. It's now almost 20 years since I went to the, that first year. And it looks like yesterday. A time will come, we'll be walking on in heaven and say, Hey, do you remember when we were having camp meeting? We were talking, you were saying that short life, long eternity, all this, this, that. It's like, it's, it's not real. It's like it will never come. It's like it will never happen. It's like it is not something that, we, it's like this is a theoretical thing. But my brother and my sister, it is a very real thing. It's a very real And before you can realize your life, it will be, it will be your opportunities, your chances to work for God, your chances to give your life to Him will be gone. To work for a time will come, some of you, you'll be past the stage where you can learn anything. 
to do about doing the work. You'll be past the stage where you can give yourself to do his will and to, his, to do his work. A time will come when you can't even, even if you want to. The man of God, he didn't want to do the work of God. If you get a chance to read his life story, you read it. One of the greatest men of God. God had called him from a young age. But he didn't want to. He was afraid of. He was afraid of the experience. He used to have. You'd be there and the wind would start blowing on the trees around him. When he was born, there were various signs. Light would come around. People felt this strange child. What kind of child is this? As he grew up, he, he was supposed to join this group. You know, like a Pentecostal. But he didn't want to join. And that is in America. And then something terrible happened. There was a big flood. You know, I'm talking about Branham. Those of you who know him. Big flood. And they called all the men to go and help. So he rushed out to go and help. When he came back home, his house was his house was gone. The place where his wife was 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 gone. His child was gone. He had a child. And his wife was gone, the child. And the wife was already ill, I think with tuberculosis or whatever. Everything was gone. He couldn't find his wife. For two weeks, they were, they had carried them, all the people, because the flats were taking everything away, and they had carried them somewhere. He searched and searched and searched until eventually he found somebody told him that he thinks that they are somewhere. And then he found the wife. The wife was very ill, dying. And then one day he was out and he had a call, said, If you want to see your wife alive, just come quickly. So he rushed there. You know, it was after this experience that he decided to do the work. He rushed there. When he got there, they had already covered the wife's head. What does he mean when they cover the when they cover the face and all that? They had already covered the face. And he loved that his wife was called Hope. He loved that. Oh God! Oh God! Let me speak to her at least. Talk to her to say about my at least once. And suddenly she came alive. And then she asked him. He said, "Why did you call me?" I was almost home. She said, she said to him, and I'll never forget, she said that you've talked about it. You've preached about it. But you have no idea how glorious it is. The heaven that she saw, she said, you've talked about it. You've preached about it. But you have no idea of how glorious it is. And then she died. Brothers, we've talked about it. We have preached about it. But we have no idea how glorious that thing is going to be one day when we step out of this earth into that place. And that day is coming. We will step out into a new life. The long eternity. Out of this short. But I am still touched by that. You know, the way his wife, his wife told, his wife told him because he'd been preaching, because he was a Baptist preacher, you've preached about it. You've talked about it. You don't have any idea. Why did you call me? He said, why did you call me back? I was, he said, I was almost home. Why did you call me back? That's why one day I was encouraging a, 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 a widow because the Lord gave me that vision. And I saw her husband. Her husband had died. And I saw the husband going up, holding a briefcase, going up to heaven. It was a clear vision like that. And he was so happy. He's like, you see how people, when they are traveling, they don't want to come back. They are so happy about where they are going. You know, and it was like that. <laughs> Good going to America. <laughs> 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 < 
when Pastor Kojolize was coming to America, I could never have called him to come back. <laughs> when he had his visa and his passport and all oh, his ticket and everything, if I was to say to him, come back, Amen. Oh, <laughs> Why did you call me back? <laughs> But I saw it, I saw it so clearly. And it was like he would never want to come out. Even though he had just married his wife. Just a few months of this earthly existence of marriage. He was happy there. I don't think they had yet started quarreling. <laughs> Everything was rosy and peaceful. But he still didn't want to come back. And, and it, it was so real. I remember where I was sitting when I had that vision. And so that was before the funeral. So when the funeral came, I preached and I, I shared that vision. Young Cho, he had a vision. In that vision, no, he didn't have a vision. Yeah, he had a vision. He went to heaven. One of, his, one of the pastors was dead. And when he went to heaven, he saw that. He said, hey! He said, where are we? What is this? And the guy told him, this is the reception area. Of heaven. This is a reception. He said, really? And he said, your wife is so sad. He said, yeah. I want you to send a message to her. He said, tell her that I'm okay. Everything is good. Everything is nice. And tell him that Jesus said, Jesus has told him that he's going to get a nice husband her and a better nicer husband than himself so he said tell her that Jesus said he's going to get a better nicer husband than me for her now all of you on earth you see you don't understand because if somebody is explaining to your wife that you are going to have another husband better than me you say oh what do, what do you mean by that kind of <laughs> what, are, what are you trying to tell me you know one day I was, I was talking to a man and, I, and he said if he was to die and his wife was to marry again, he would rise up from the dead <laughs> and come and sort her out. <laughs> That's what he said. He said I will, I said, I will stare and rise from the dead. <laughs> but you see, when you are there, it's different. It's like marriage is not us, you may be thinking. It's just like somebody to help you. So even you even, you even want the person to have somebody to help. And he said, tell her. And then he said, when you go and you tell her that you saw me, she will not believe. So he said, this is a sign. I'm going to give it to her. He said, when she does not be, tell her this. And he told her, he told your Dr. Cho a secret. He said, that secret is between me and her. Only nobody knows it. So he went back to earth and he found the little mouse crying. God has forsaken me. Why should God allow this? Why this? This? That she was so desperate, so sad. And Yogi Cho told her that she have seen your husband. What? Why are you coming to make things worse? How do you say you've seen my husband? How have you seen my husband? My husband is dead. And said I saw a vision. I went to heaven. I saw. She was talking. She was crying. She didn't want to hear about it. Then. He said, then I'm going to tell you something. So he told her that secret. When he told her, she said, what? And she said, you have been standing behind our window. 
some bedroom matters. You have been, you, you've been, you know, this he told me, I'll tell you, and you believe. And when he told her that, then she believed it. And it was real. And Yogi Cho said, it came, it came to pass, God sent another husband. And Yogi Cho said, it's true that the new husband was better than the first. <laughs> Are you listening to me? Yeah. yeah. So, it's a real thing. Amen. And what we have done on earth is going to be what will be valuable there. Nothing. When I die, I have a house. I cannot take it. I have cars that I use. I don't have a car, but I use cars. I can't drive them into heaven. I remember when Begef was finally closing the coffin, he was wearing his glasses and they took off his glasses and they put it in his case and they put it in his pocket. Put it there. And I was just looking and I said, Wow, what is this? It's a wonderful thing. Nothing goes with you, it's just all there to decay. Huh? Nothing. But thank God that He's giving us some wisdom so that when we get to heaven, we will be kings. We will be honored. You will be honored in heaven. If you believe what I'm sharing. You will be honored. When, when you get to heaven. Oh man. You will not just arrive there as nothing. God bless you for listening to this message. Visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.